Greetings in the name of our Lord Jesus. Welcome guys to our show. Welcome to the Good News Podcast. So today, the first thing that that I would like to, to talk about is actually the commandments in the new covenant. Because it seems that when we talk of the old covenant, we are very, it is very clear what the commandments are. It is very clear that if anyone or someone talks about the commandments in the old covenant, we we are very quickly to to get the picture of what they're referring to. They might be referring to the Ten Commandments, or if they are referring to the law, they might be referring to the six hundred and thirteen laws that we find in the old covenant. So in the old covenant I think we are okay. We 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 know when we talk about the commandments of God, what is it that we are talking about? But when we come to the new covenant and we talk about the commandments of God, it seems like we are not so very sure what is it that we are talking about. So there's scriptures that when you read them and you don't understand what commandments is talking about, then you are you are not able to apply that scripture in your life. For example, when when Jesus was talking to his disciples in John 14, he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. If I were to ask, what commandments is Jesus referring to? As you are listening to me now, what, what, what comes to your mind? In John 14, verse 15, Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. What are these commandments that Jesus is talking about? What is it that is coming to your mind? What is it that you are thinking of? What is your your understanding when Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments? Is it the Ten Commandments that are coming to your mind? Is Is it the laws? What is it that is coming to your mind when Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments? When, when you read Revelations chapter 12, in verse 17 it says, And the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring, who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Again, what, what, what is John talking about here when he says, The offspring of the woman kept the commandments of God. These are the offspring that the dragon enraged war against because they kept the commandments of God. What commandments was John talking about here in the book of Revelation? Are you able to understand? Are you able to answer yourself if you were to ask yourself that question? What commandments were the offspring keeping? What, is, what are these commandments? I understand that in the Old Testament... You could quickly, in your mind, say, Ah, thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not covet, thou shalt not make an idol. But on this, on the, on the new covenant, when it speaks of the commandments of God, what is it that is talking about? I would like for you to ask yourself, without even opening the Bible, without looking at any scripture, like what is the first thing that comes to your mind? quickly like that the commandments of god in the new covenant what is it that 
comes to your mind. Because even in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10, in verse 16, it says, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and in their minds I will write them. Again, I'm asking guys, God is speaking about putting his laws in our hearts and writing them in our minds. What laws is being referred to here? What, what is it that God has wrote in your heart? What law has God put in your heart and has written it in your mind? What are these laws? This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and in their minds I will write them. And then he adds their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. So this is the new covenant that God promised. And in this promise, he promises that he will put his laws in our hearts and he will write them in our minds. What laws has God put in our hearts and has wrote in our, our minds? So this is a very, 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 very important part of, of our new covenant, of our, our relationship that we have with God. This is very, very important. So it's good to know that we need to keep his commandments, but it is even more important to know what commandments or laws is the scripture referring to. So I think we, we, we could quickly, quickly, if, if, if what comes to you, what comes to your mind is the Ten Commandments or the 613 laws, or the laws of Moses. I think if that is what comes to your mind to say, ah, instead of God having to write the ton, the Ten Commandments on tablet of stones, where it can be lost, where it can be broken, where men can even forget it, he'd rather write them in their minds and put it in their hearts. So if if this was your first, uh, your first instinct if it was your first thing that came to your mind that ah god instead of writing the laws on the outside the laws of moses he'd rather write them on the inside so that we would not forget them so that they would guide our lives so that we, we might have some sense of morality because they are in our heart i would like to bring you to this understanding of the mosaic law paul paul puts it so so plainly and even scary in in the letter to the Corinthians. He says, If the ministry of death, written and engraved on stones, what was glorious, for if the ministry of condemnation had glory. So Paul here is talking about the old covenant. He's talking about the law. And he calls it the ministry of death and the ministry of condemnation. So what this means is that we can quickly recognize that the law, the Ten Commandments, the 613 laws that were in the books of Moses, that were in the law of Moses, we can quickly realize that this is actually a ministry that ministers death and condemnation. So the law was actually not given to make you 
righteous. It was not given to make you moral. It was not there to actually make you perfect. The law was in fact there to minister to you day and night on how unrighteous you are, on how immoral you are. And therefore it was there to minister condemnation to you. It was there to show you that you are very far from being a righteous person. By your own works, by your own might, by your own heart, by your own strength and willpower, you cannot attain the standard that God has set forth when it comes to righteousness. The law was our schoolmaster that taught us that we can never pass this test of being righteous. In you will always fail if you want to be righteous by your own deeds. This is the law. Now Paul puts it in a very direct and in a very scary way that it is the minister of death and condemnation. So if you understand this, then you understand that God cannot then write it again because Paul says this minister of death was written and engraved on stones. That cannot mean that God will then come again write and engrave the same ministry of death and condemnation into your heart and into your mind. If he were to do so, it means you would be condemned. This ministry of death will be inside your heart and in your mind. And so, when you understand what was the purpose of the law, even though you cannot answer the question as to what are the commandments that you are referring to, even though you can't get a clear picture, but you can quickly understand that it cannot be the Ten Commandments. It cannot be the 613 laws because that is the ministry of death. That is the ministry of condemnation. And that, if, if that were to be put in your heart and in your mind, you would be condemned forever. You will forever be condemned. And we know what the scripture says in Romans 8. It says there is therefore now, 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 now. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that in Christ Jesus. We can quickly understand that it is not the Ten Commandments that are written in our hearts, that are written in, that are written in our minds. It is not the 613 laws that are written in our hearts. So then what is these commandments that the Bible talks about. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. We see the dragon waging war against the offspring of the woman because the offspring keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. We understand that in this new covenant, God has put his laws in our hearts and written them in our minds. And our sins and our lawless deeds, he remembers them no more. We, we understand the scriptures, but what are these commandments? I want, to, I want you to think, to think about it. Okay, it's not the Ten Commandments. It's not the laws of Moses, the 613 laws. What is it? What is it? Well then, I think we can go to the book of Mark, the gospel of Mark chapter 12. From verse 28, it says, 
Then one of the scribes came and having heard them reasoning together, perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, What is the greatest commandment of all? So there's, there is the question of what is the greatest commandment? Maybe if we understand what is the greatest commandment, maybe it might give us an idea what laws or what commandments is the scripture referring to. So we see here a scribe, a lawyer, an expert of the law, asking Jesus, what is the greatest commandment of all? What is the greatest commandment? So maybe if we understand what is the greatest commandment, then we might say, ah, then it would mean that this is what God has put in our hearts and written in our minds. So this is a very interesting part of scripture that I would like for us to look at. So this is an expert of the law, a scribe, a lawyer, asking Jesus this question. In verse 29, Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like it is this. You shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. There is no other greater commandment than these. And so the, the very same scripture, we find it in the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 22. So I would like for us to look at both uh, this event according to Mark and according to Matthew. In Matthew 22 verse 34, it says, But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? So this is the same incident we see a scribe, a lawyer, an expert of the law, asking Jesus. And so I think the first thing before we go to the answer that, that Jesus gives is first we need to understand the question. It's very important to understand the question because you are able to understand the answer. First, we know who asks the question. The question is asked by a lawyer, a scribe, or an expert of the law. So this is a member of the Pharisees. These are the people who claimed to know and to interpret the law and to uphold the law. So we know who asks this question and we know the reason or the intent behind the question because it says testing him, who? Testing Jesus. So we understand the intent or the motive behind this question is to test Jesus. If he understands or if he knows the correct answer. And so we understand the intent, we understand the person asking. And the third important one is we understand the context of the question because he is asking, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? So we understand the, con the context because this is a scribe, this is a, an expert of the law. 
And so he asks something from the law. When he, when he, he asks this question, he's expecting Jesus to answer him in the context of the law because the question is very clear that what is the great commandment in the law? He is very specific. It is as if you have two uh, attorneys and they ask each other questions in context of the Bill of Rights, for example, or in context of the Constitution. So this is the same case. He's asking Jesus, what is the great commandment in the law? This is verse 36. So we understand who is asking this. This is an expert of the law. His intent is to test Jesus and the context of the question is the law. Now we can begin to understand the answer. Then in verse 37 it says, Then Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Whew. So Jesus gave a, a quite lengthy answer there. The question was a straightforward question. That Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? It was a very straightforward question because the reason the scribe or the lawyer was testing Jesus is because the Pharisees themselves from the 613 laws, they understood what is the greatest commandment. They had certain disagreements when it comes to other laws as to which one is the heavy one, which one is the light one, which is more critical than the other one. So they had their own disagreements on certain laws, but on this one, that what is the greatest commandment, they were all on the same page. So they understood that the greatest commandment is this. So the question was actually a straightforward question that he wanted to know if Jesus also understands what is the greatest commandment in the law. So he's asking Jesus, the, the laws of Moses, if you go through all of them, which one is the greatest? But Jesus actually goes beyond what they are asking because he says, in fact, in Mark, he says, Hear, O Israel. Why is that so important? Because when he says, Hear, O Israel, remember Israel, Israel means to struggle, Israel means to wrestle. So Jesus is saying to Israel because Israel means to struggle with God, to wrestle with God. So he's saying, your struggle, O Israel, your struggle, you nation, is this. Jesus is actually going beyond what the question is. Jesus is actually summarizing the struggle that the nation of Israel had with God. He summarizes the whole struggle. In fact, this is the greatest summary I've ever came across. We used to have summaries, scholar, where they give you a few passages and they say, uh, can you, in, in less than 70 words, summarize? 
Hi guys, I used to struggle with that. I think this is the greatest summary I've ever seen. Jesus summarizes the entire relationship between Israel and God in just two verses. In just two, two, three verses, he summarizes the entire story of Israel. Here, O Israel, is like he's saying, this is why you struggled. Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. So Jesus first is saying, Israel as a nation failed to love God with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their mind. Again, this is what he's saying. He says that this is the first and the great and the second is like it. The second is equals to the first one. You shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now he's saying you failed or you struggled or you wrestled to love God and you struggle and wrestle to love each other. This is the entire history of Israel in just two verses. And this is why in verse 40, Jesus says, On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. This is very important because the Hebrew text is actually divided into three sections. What you call the Old Testament is divided into three sections. You have the law, which is the books of Moses. You have the prophets, which will be your major and your minor prophets. And you have poetry, which will be proverbs, psalms, etc. Now Jesus is saying, from these two commandments, hang all the law and the prophets. It means the entire books of Moses, the Pentateuch, all the prophets, they are based on these two commandments. Now, why is, this, why is this important? Because from the books of Moses, we understand what is it that God is expecting from them in the form of those 613 laws. And in the prophets, we get to see what happens when they do not follow God's uh, laws. So Jesus is basically saying all of this is summarized into these two commandments. So now Jesus is actually going further than what the, uh, the question was. Here, O Israel, this is what you struggled with. You struggled to love God and you struggled to love each other. So he's not answering the question from what the scribe would have thought or would have liked. <laughs> he's actually going beyond. And this is a very profound part of scripture because Jesus makes us understand because these two commandments is actually a quotation. Jesus was actually quoting the Old Testament. Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Jesus here is quoting Deuteronomy. Love your neighbors, you love yourself, is, is quoting Leviticus. So he's quoting the law and he's saying, if you follow the law, if you live by the law, you need to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. 
and you need to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now, Jesus summarizes the struggle of the nation of Israel toward God and the struggle within themselves. So Israel failed to love God and failed to love each other. And so we find we find the same scripture asked in a different in a different way. I hope I hope you are still with me. I hope you are still with me. We find the same scripture asked in a different way, but it's still the same thing. In Luke chapter 10 in verse 25, it says and behold a certain lawyer so this is the same uh, office or the same title. A lawyer or a scribe or an expert of the law stood up. Again, we get the intent. Tested him. So these guys were testing Jesus. They were testing him to see if he understands the law, if he can interpret the law. So he says, behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? What's wrong with that question? Before we continue, before we go any further, he's asking a question. What should I do to inherit eternal life? What's wrong with that question? If you read the Ten Commandments, if you read everything in the law, it's all about what you can do. Thou shall, thou shall, thou shall love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. It's all about what you can do. So again, we need to understand this question that this is a man who understands the law and he understands that the law is actually demanding from you. Hence, he is Assuming that he, there is something that he can do, there is something that he can contribute. He is coming with the notion that he has the capacity to do something that will enable him to inherit eternal life. So this is the mentality, this is the this is the the mind of the law keepers, that there is always something that they can do. To get something from God. So we understand again who is asking the question, why is asking the question, and the context of the question. So Jesus says in verse 26, What is written in the law? And what is your reading of it? So you see, Jesus here, he's actually asking him about the law because remember he's talking to a lawyer it is as if he's quoting uh, the constitution he's quoting an act something of 19 something if you know what i mean so he's asking him what is written in the law and what is your interpretation of it so he's responding to him in 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 a way that we are able to familiarize ourselves with because we've seen lawyers do this. So he's asking him. In verse 27, so he answered uh, the lawyer and said, You shall love Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, 
with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. Do you see it, guys? This is the Lord. The Lord demands that you, with your heart, with your soul, with your strength, and with your mind, that you should love God. This is the Lord demanding from you. So Jesus is asking him that, that what is it? What is written in the law? And how, how do you interpret it? And after he answered this, Jesus said to him, you have answered rightly. <laughs> so Jesus is saying, yes. You see, in the law, that is what you must do. You must love God with all your heart, your soul, your strength, your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. So he's saying you've answered rightly because in the law, that, was, that is what you need to do. Now, <laughs> when you continue with this verse, Jesus says, do this and you will live. Ah, Jesus. Why, why you do this, Jesus? I mean, the man asked a very straightforward, what should I do to inherit eternal life? I mean, the lawyer is asking about inheriting the eternal life. Jesus answers and says, do this and you will live. No, Jesus. We, Jesus answered the man. The man wants to know eternal life, not to live. He, he wants to know how he, he can inherit the eternal life. <laughs> so the, the, truth, the truth is in, in this verse that Jesus says, do this and you will live. So Jesus is not saying do this and you will have eternal life or do this or you have everlasting life. He says do this and you live. It's almost as if he's saying do this and you'll have, you, you live better with people. Hmm? Do this you will live. But he does not say you will have eternal life. Do this and you will live. So we understand that you will not inherit eternal life. You will not inherit eternal life. If your claim is that you love God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your claim is that you love your neighbor as yourself, you will not inherit eternal life. You will live. You will be that neighbor that when people talk about you, they say, ah, you know that guy, is he's, he's, he's a very good guy. Like He's loving, he's... What do you sir? You know, one hell, he helps. You'll be that guy. You'll live. You'll you'll be a, in the family. You know, they will they will say, ah, yeah, I see that guy. I come to a shop. You'll live, but you will not have eternal life. The question is wrong, because he's asking what he can do to in, to inherit eternal life. What he failed to understand is that eternal life is actually a gift. Paul, in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, he says, For the wages of sin is death. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So the question should have been, 
how can I in- inherit eternal life? Not what should I do? Because we understand from this verse that eternal life is actually a gift. Hence you inherit it. <laughs> An inheritance is not something that you work for. It's not something that you labor. Inheritance is a gift. Hence the Bible says, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we understand that eternal life is not something that we attain from our own actions, from our own deeds, from our own performance, from our own strength and willpower. We understand that eternal life is a gift. Because you see, the verse says, for the wages of sin is death. So wage is something that you worked for. Wage is something that you deserve. It's something that you get paid. That is wage. So it means this one, you would have worked for it. This one would have been something that you have labored for. But now, this one is death. So you, your wage is death. The one that you would have loved to boast about that, ah, I worked here. I put in the hours. I put in the sweat, the blood, sweat, and tears. The wage is death. But the gift, the one that you did not work for, the one that you did not deserve, the one that you had no ability to attain. The gift of God is eternal life. This is a gift. In Christ Jesus, the key there is Christ Jesus, our Lord. It's a gift. So now, why, why, why then why then is Jesus telling them to, to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind? Because he's trying to make them aware that you can't. You can't. You can't. You can't uphold the law. You cannot meet the standard of the law. Therefore, you cannot love God. And you cannot love your your neighbor. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. If if you thought the commandment that is written in your heart is love your neighbors, you love yourself. That is not it. That is not it. That is the law. That is the law. If you thought what is written in your heart is to love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. I'm sorry, that is not written in your mind. That is not in your heart. Everyone has fallen short of the glory. Everyone. No one can uphold the law. No one can stand before the law with their own actions and their deeds. No one. The law, like I said, is our schoolmaster. He's there to show you that you cannot meet the standard that God has set. 
However, however, you can receive a gift. You can receive a gift because Jesus was able to redeem you. Jesus was able to be the perfect sacrifice for you. Jesus was able to take your place because he did not sin, yet he was tempted in all points. So again, guys, we are back to square one. What is written in our minds? What is it that God put in our hearts? It's not the greatest commandments because you understand that those are the greatest commandments in the law. The same ministry of death and condemnation. The same. So we are back to square one. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry if you thought if you love your neighbor as you love yourself. Ah, it's because it's written in your mind and it's put in your heart. God wants us to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. That's the law. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So, what is it that is written in our hearts, guys? <laughs> I don't know if you can still think of something. I don't know. I hope you can <laughs> look for some verses there. Hmm? Look for some verses there. What is it? That is when Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. The dragon waged war against the offspring because they kept the commandments of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. In those days, I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them in their mind. What is these laws? What are these commandments? Is there anything that is coming into your mind? Is there anything that you are able to think of now because of these we have removed out of the equation? We have removed them from our list. So read this correct sheet, guys. Hmm. First John three twenty three. Three twenty three. Yo guys. Okay, guys. Okay, okay, okay. I'm not sure what is it that is still remaining in your mind as you eliminate all these performance based commandments that you thought you would keep. Because you love Jesus. All these performance based laws that you thought God had put in your heart and written them in your mind. I'm just wondering what is left. So there's a very important scripture that I would like to read for you and I believe it will it will bring some light to you. In first John chapter three. In verse 23, it says, And this is his commandment. Oh, guys. I, 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 wanna, I, I just want to take some time. I, I, I want to read it very slowly to you. First John chapter 3, verse 23. And this is his commandment. Oh, guys. <laughs> That 
we should believe in the name of his son Jesus Christ. Huh? And love one another as he gave us commandment. I would love it to read it in uh, NLT. The same verses in NLT. In NLT verse 23 it says, And this is his commandment. We must believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. And love one another just as he commanded us. Those who obey God's commandment remain in fellowship with him and he with them. And we know he lives in us because the spirit he gave us lives in us. Oh, guys. I'm thankful for this verse. I'm thankful for this verse because we understand from these verses that this is his commandment. This, that we must believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. Can we try another translation? Amplified, my wife. My wife loves Amplified. <laughs> so let's try Amplified. I want us to read this verse in as many translations as we can, as many times as we can, because this is the answer. So Amplified, verse 23, it says, This is his commandment. And the H is capital, so it means God. That we believe with personal faith and confident trust in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. Guys, that's a commandment from God. To believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. Do you know that that's a commandment? It's his commandment that we believe with personal faith and confident trust in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. And that we unselfishly love and seek the best for one another, just as he commanded us. Ooh, I'm thankful for this scripture. <laughs> This is the answer, guys. The commandment from God is that you believe in Jesus and that you love one another. Believe in Jesus. Now, before I, I continue on this too, the question is then, what about loving God? <laughs> Uh, are we leaving the part of loving God out? Hmm? <laughs> I'm thankful for, for this, this book. For this scripture. 
in first john in this in the same section of scripture that we are reading first john chapter 4 in verse 19 19 it says we love him who god we love him guys do you understand that we love him not that we are striving we love him we love god i I don't know if you were aware of that that you love god you love him you 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 love god do you know that that you you love god and this is how and why you love god verse 19 we love him because he first loved us that this verse is so powerful when you read when you read this verse please do not read it otatile we love God because he first loved us. It's, it's, a, very, it's a very important verse. It's, it's very heavy. It's a heavy verse. Because if you, you read it too quickly, it almost sounds as if it's a transaction. It, it almost sounds like, ah, we love God because he first loved us. It's as if we are, we are exchanging with God that, ah, God, you love me. Ah, I also love you. And that is not actually what that scripture is trying to tell you. That scripture is trying to tell you how or how is it that you love God? Because he first loved you. God is the one that actually enabled you to love him. It is not something that you you learned or you had the capacity to do because he first loved you, you are able to love him. He enabled you. And this, this is very critical because sometimes we feel as if, ah, I don't love God because I'm not doing one, two, three, or I don't love God because I do one, two, three. Can't you know you love God because He first loved you? It's like He He showed you this is love. Not what you think is love, not your love for Him, what He has shown to you. In Romans chapter 5, verse 5, it says, The love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So God has poured his love, his godly love, not the love that we have experienced in this world, the heavenly love, the godly love. He poured it into your heart when you received the Holy Spirit. When you receive the Holy Spirit, God filled you with his love. You had no capacity to love him. You had, you had no propensity to love God. 
He poured his love into you through the Holy Spirit. And now you love him <laughs> because you are actually retaining his love that he poured into your heart. Do you see that? Love God because he first loved us. And this verse This verse is so powerful because when you look at it closely, you understand that you were actually filled with the love of God when you were Holy Spirit filled, when you were anointed with the Holy Spirit. And so you realize that actually the love that God talks about when he says love one another, this is the love that he has poured into your heart by the Holy Spirit who was given unto you. When you are anointed with the Holy Spirit, you are filled with the love of God. And so if you understand that at salvation when you receive the Holy Spirit, when you, when, when you became a born-again Christian, when you understand that at that moment you were filled with the love of God, that you were filled with the Holy Spirit, you were actually being anointed. Being filled with the Holy Spirit, it is, it is what it means to be anointed. The Old Testament, the Old Covenant anointing was actually just a shadow, a mirror of what was to come. And what was to come is this, that you would be filled with the Spirit of God, with the Holy Ghost, with the Spirit, with the Holy Spirit. That is the true anointing. And so everyone is filled with the Holy Spirit. Everyone that is born again, everyone that is uh, a born again Christian is filled with the Holy Spirit. Therefore, it means they are anointed. This is the anointing that the Old Testament was trying to give us an idea of. This is the anointing that we see in the book of Acts when the apostles were doing miraculous signs and wonders. When Paul, when Peter, Barnabas, Silas, when all the apostles in the, in the early times of the church were doing all these great signs and wonders, it is because they had received the Holy Spirit, which is the anointing. The power that they were moving with, that when he would pass, that is the anointing in work. So the very same anointing that we declare that the blind can see, that the lame can walk, that same anointing that you're able to walk on snakes, on scorpions, the same power that you're able to walk on water, the same power that you're able to heal, the same power that you're able to see visions, the same power that you're able to do miraculous Science and wonders, the same power that you are able to feed 5,000 uh, men with five loaves and two fishes, the same power 
that raised Jesus from the dead, that same power, that same power, not diluted, not in a small measure, that same power has been given to you to love. So you have been anointed to love. You have been empowered to love. God has given you the ability to love, the supernatural ability to love. Because this love is not the love that we have come to know in this world. This love is a God love. It's a supernatural love. The same healing that we say this is a supernatural healing that even doctors cannot explain, that they do not even understand, is the same with this love. It is the same. It is the same. You have been empowered. You have been anointed to love. It is not from your own strength, from your own heart, from your own mind. God poured it into your heart. He filled you with, with his love. Filled you. Filled you. Until you runneth. Until you runneth. Until you overflow. He filled you with his love. So you are anointed to love. God has given you the ability to keep his commandment. When he says, Love one another. He has given you the power, the ability to fulfill that commandment. He has poured it into your heart. If you are not aware today, you have been, you have been filled with God's love. So when God says love one another, he is actually saying, what I have poured into your heart, let it flow out, let it flow out to each other. Let it flow out. Let it flow out because you have been filled. You have been anointed to love. I know we like it when we are anointed to do supernatural things. We know we are anointed when we sing, people fall. We are anointed when we speak, when we, we, we prophesy. That's the kind of anointing that we are familiar with. The anointing when you can interpret dreams. That same anointing is given to you to love. To love, to love, to love, to love. This is his commandment. Love one another. Believe in Jesus Christ. So what God has put in your heart and written in your mind is actually to give out this love that he has poured out into your heart. To let it flow to one another. This is what is in your heart because he has poured it in your heart. He has given you the ability, he has given you the power to love, to love, to love. If you love me, keep my commandments. This is what Jesus was actually talking about. Love one another and believe in Jesus Christ. The dragon waged war 
with the offspring because they kept the commandments of God and the testimony of Jesus. The offspring are the ones that believe in Jesus Christ, that believe in the name of Jesus, the name of the Son. This is the commandment that the offspring are keeping, the one that the, the dragon waged war against. And the other commandment that they kept is to love one another. To love one another. In those days, I will put my laws in their hearts. This is what God has put in your heart. To believe in his son Jesus and to love one another. And he has written it in your mind. He has written in your mind. I want you to understand that you are anointed to love. You are anointed to love. God has filled your heart with his love. Not your love. Not with all your, your mind, with all your soul, with all your, mind, with all your strength. He has filled you with his love. His love he has filled you with. Let it flow, let it flow. Let it flow because it has been filled. It has been poured into your heart. The love of God. We love God because he first loved us. He first loved us. He gave us the ability to love him. I pray that the Holy Spirit that has been given to you will minister to you that you understand that you have been filled with the love of God. Filled. It means you have more than you need. You have been filled. Not half full, half empty. Filled with the love of God. Filled to the full measure that you may be able to love one another that you may be able to keep his commandment. Hmm. I pray this, Holy Spirit, in the name of our Lord Jesus. Let your people believe in the name of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, and that they love one another. This is his commandment. This is his commandment. I thank you, Lord. I give you all the glory and the honor. Amen.